You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you're not an authorised financial advisor, it's important you understand the content of this podcast may be difficult to follow, as it assumes you have the necessary training, qualifications and experience to understand the concepts discussed as well as the technical language used. If you still decide to listen, please understand the information contained in this recording is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Any scenarios considered during this podcast are purely hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. When one member of a couple enters aged care, the default Centrelink assessment is for illness-separated couples. But what people may not realise is there's an alternative that may provide a better result. Now, I'm Craig Day, I'm the head of the First Tech team, and joining me today to discuss the Centrelink assessment for couples, or one member of a couple entering into aged care, is Kim Guest, one of my senior managers. Hi, Kim. Hi, Craig. How are you? Very well. Yourself? Good, thank you. Excellent. So, Kim, can you run me through what happens when one member of a couple enters into aged care and how they're assessed for Centrelink? Sure. Okay. So, the, the default assessment when one member of a couple goes into aged care is that Centrelink will assess them as an illness-separated couple. And what that means is that um, they will... Um, work out their rate of age pension based on the single rate of age pension for each member of the couple, which is not different to the normal assessment for a couple where you get the married rate of age pension, which is a bit lower. Mm. Um, So to recognise the fact that it costs more when two people are separated due to illness, Centrelink will actually um, work it out on the single rate of age pension for each member of the couple. Importantly, though, under that assessment, it's still a combined income and asset test. So they still take into account both members of the couple's income and assets when they're working out their rate of payment. Okay, even though they're living separately. So what is this alternative Centrelink assessment and, like, when does it apply? Yeah, so there's this other assessment um, that you actually have to apply to Centrelink for. So the default is illness separated, but if you want this other one to apply, you actually have to specifically request um, that they get assessed under what's called living separately and apart. So living separately and apart is a different Centrelink assessment that only applies where um, one member of a couple has a very severe and debilitating illness. So examples might be advanced Huntington's disease, advanced Alzheimer's, where they're um, so ill that they can't really be a member of a couple anymore. They don't recognise their partner, they can't provide them with companionship and so forth. And so when they have those very severe illnesses, Centrelink can assess them instead of being illness separated, they'll alternatively be separated, um, so living separately and apart assessment would apply. Right, so this would be quite often when someone's entering into aged care, they potentially got dementia, they're not identifying with their spouse. Yeah. So a, a different assessment can potentially apply. So mm. um, so can you explain why it's important to consider who owns the income or assets when assessed under that living separately or apart? I mean, yeah. sounds... So, so the difference between living separately and apart and an illness separated couple is that when Centrelink assess you as living separately and apart, they say you're not really in a relationship anymore because that person's so um, ill, they're, mm-hmm. they're not able to be in a relationship anymore. So not only are we going to assess you as the single rate of age pension each, but we're actually going to assess you as two single people. So I'm only going to take into account the income and assets in the person's name who's in aged care when I work out their age pension and their aged care fees. And I'm only going to take into account the income and assets in the name of the other partner when I work out their age pension. So, so they're essentially two single people. Right. So if we've got 
I would imagine a lot of assets held jointly. We're just yeah, going to 50-50. Otherwise, we're literally looking down to say you've got Bill and Mary, which assets are in Bill's name and which assets yeah. are in Mary's name. That's okay. it. So it all, all of a sudden it becomes very important whose name assets are in. Normally we don't care because couples are a combined assessment, but under this specific living separately and apart where they're assessed as two single people, now it matters whose name the income and assets are in. And generally speaking, we, we look think about whether we should apply for this assessment when we've got lots of income and assets um, in one person's name that's affecting the other person's age care and age pension. Mm -hmm. So by splitting them into two single people, that can sometimes achieve a better result for that person who's in age care. So if you've got the one um, living outside of the age care um, mm -hmm. and they've got all of the assets, so look at a very stereotypical kind of, you know, person in their 80s, Mm. Um, where maybe he was the the income provider yeah. and she was the unpaid work at home kind of thing yeah. and all the assets are in his name and there's not any kind of assets in her name. Yeah. Does that potentially provide a worse outcome for them? Um, well, it, which member of the couple is going into aged care is the question. So right. if she's the one going into aged care, then none of the income or assets are in her name. By splitting them into two single people, perhaps I'm reducing her aged care fees and increasing right. her age pension, mm -hmm. whereas his age pension obviously will be impacted by the, the income and assets in his name. Right. So that could actually make it harder for him to... Yes. That's definitely one of the considerations mm. is to look at both members of the couple. What's the overall impact of, of asking right. for this assessment? Ah, so fantastic. So mm. bring it back to... You know, you've got that illness-separated couple default, yep. but if you wanted to apply this other assessment, you've yep. really got to have a look at that and figure out, mm. is it in the best interest of my clients to do that? Because yep. I could actually cost one of them a bit of money. We could get a yeah. bit more income or more less fees on one side, but on the for the other client, they actually get less age pension. Yep. What about the former home? How's that? Yeah, so the former home is really important, and you need to think about how the former home is going to be assessed for Centrelink purposes, and also how the former home is going to be assessed for aged care fees purposes. So if we start off first by thinking about how the former home is going to be assessed for Centrelink purposes, um, if when one person goes into aged care and the default assessment is an illness separated couple, what normally happens is that that former home is completely exempt because the spouse is still in the house. Yep. So the partner's still living in the home, former home's exempt for as long as they're in there and even if that person goes into aged care or dies another two years you get an exemption on the former home. But when you apply for a living separately and apart and they're assessed as two single people, well, that person's no longer your partner. And mm -hmm. so you don't get that exemption on the former home anymore because your spouse is in the house. Right. And so then for Centrelink purposes, you just get two years. Two years from the date you enter aged care, your former home is exempt and you're mm -hmm. a homeowner. And then after two years, their ownership interest in that former home is going to be an assessable asset and they're going to be a non-homeowner. Right. So obviously that's a very different assessment and that's yep. why it's not always a good idea to apply for this. You really yep. do need to work through what's the initial impact and what's it going to be after two years to see whether they're going to be better off. Okay, so what happens with for uh, aged care purposes? So we've dealt mm. with you know, the former home and Centrelink. What yep. about aged care? Yeah, so aged care is quite different. Um, for aged care, if they were an illness-separated couple, which was that a default assessment, again, what would happen is while the spouse is in the house, the house is exempt because they're their partner. Mm -hmm. But if you apply for living separately and apart and now you're two single people, well, there is no longer a spouse in the house because they're not your spouse for their, this purpose. Um, and so then the cap value of the former home will count as an asset unless there's a protected person residing in that home. Right. Now, a protected person can't be a partner anymore because you've applied for them not to be a partner so now it's only if they're a carer 
or um, right. another family member that mm -hmm. qualifies. So a carer has to, um, they have to be providing care for the person before they went into aged care, they have to be living in the home for at least two years, and they have to be eligible for an income support payment. So they, they, that partner may qualify as a carer, but yep. they may not as well. Okay. And if they don't qualify, the cap value of the former home will okay. be assessable. So what you're telling me here, Kim, is actually there's a f lots of things I've got to consider mm -hmm. yes. uh, before I apply for this different assessment. Yeah. Um, it can get quite complex. Is there any tools that we can use? Yeah, so if you refer to our article, um, we've got a little case study there where we, we look at an example of where one partner's earning like a salary and, and the impact of splitting them into separately and apart versus illness separated. So that gives, gives you a bit of a case study. But we've also got a table at the end of the article which goes through all those main points to consider. So how the former homes assessed for Centrelink, for aged care, um, who's, the ownership of the assets is important. Another thing we didn't mention is that if you gift assets after you've been assessed as two separate people, then that can actually come under the gifting rules because oh, now they're not partners yeah, anymore. They're, not they're two part single of people. The one economic unit. Yeah, yeah wow. so there's a number of implications that you need to work through. So we've just done a little summary table at the end of the article so you can work through those. Okay, now is there anything else I need to know about this? Um, I think they're the main points, but yeah, if you if you are thinking of this assessment for your clients, I really do encourage you to read the article and to call the First Tech team. Terrific. Thanks for your time, Kim. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the First Tech podcast. Please remember, these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you're not an authorised financial advisor, you need to remember that any scenarios considered during this podcast were for purely hypothetical and illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. And finally, you should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decision and once again consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be reliable and accurate, no person, including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited or Commonwealth Bank Group of Companies, accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.